Welcome to episode 118 of the Civil Engineering Podcast, the first podcast dedicated to helping civil engineering professionals succeed in work and life. I am your host, Anthony Fasano. I am a licensed professional engineer who practiced as a civil engineer, but eventually decided I wanted to focus more on inspiring engineers rather than doing the engineering myself. So since then, I've written a book called Engineer Your Own Success and have traveled the world helping engineers. And through this podcast, myself and my co-host, Chris Knutson, try to bring you information that can help you succeed in every episode. I've also had the honor of authoring the American Society of Civil Engineers Careers and Leadership column for the past few years. At the Engineering Management Institute, we believe that in order to be the best civil engineer you can be, you must consistently get better. Get better at your craft, your people skills, and as a leader. And that's why we published this free podcast to help you do just that. In this episode, I visit with Karen Morgan, the owner and founder of the AEC Proposal Institute, about what civil engineers need to get up front. What kind of information do you need up front to increase your chances of writing proposals that win projects? Karen is a licensed engineer in Texas and an independent business consultant focused on strengthening engineering firms' proposals through independent proposal technical reviewing, revising, and instruction. And I actually got to do this interview in person with Karen when I was down in Texas recently on a trip. I visited a couple of different cities. I did an ASE power skills seminar, which I really enjoyed. And I got to meet with her and she's great. And you're going to find, I think, this episode very actionable, things that you can implement immediately. Before we get started with Karen, this is a free show and our sponsors help us keep it free. So please support them. And now I'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, by asking you to listen up later on in this podcast for my advice on how to advance your career in 2019. I'll be sharing info on where to find practical tips and time-tested resources for your civil engineering licensure exam. Plus, I'll share details on an exciting discount opportunity so you can be fully prepared for exam day. Don't miss it. Now, I was down in Texas not long ago, and I saw Karen when I was down there visiting with Matthew Lose. Matt is an engineer. He's in Fort Worth, Texas, really interesting guy. And he ended up authoring a book called The Business of Engineering. And it's an awesome read. And when he sent it to me, I decided that here at EMI, we need to help him publish this book and get it out there because every engineer needs this information. Because what this book is about is Matt kind of realized that what has made us as engineers successful up to today will not work in the future because our projects are becoming more complex and technology is changing quicker. So he did a lot of research, he talked to a lot of people, and he wrote this book about how the mindset of engineers needs to change going forward. You can get the book right now through a Kickstarter campaign that we're running at biz, B-I-Z, bizofengineering.com. So far, we've got 75 backers on this campaign. We've reached our funding goal. We really want to reach 100 backers. That's our goal that we're going towards. And there's not a lot of time left, so please go over to bizofengineering.com. And it's not just about getting Matt's book. We've kind of set this Kickstarter program up so that all of our listeners, subscribers, we have courses for you regardless of what experience level you're at. If you're a student listening to this, you can go to bizofengineering.com and get Matt's book along with our resume and interview video course for you to help you get that first job. If you are a recent graduate, you can take our goal setting and decision making course through this Kickstarter campaign. All these courses are totally slashed in terms of prices, really, really reduced just for the Kickstarter campaign. 
If you're a manager or aspiring to be manager, you can get access to our engineering management accelerator online workshop on demand or live through the Kickstarter campaign. And beyond that, there are other programs. If you're a manager, you can get a bundle of books to hand out to your team. I mean, we really went to great lengths to make this more of a campaign, not about a book, but about professional development for engineers. So again, check it out at biz, that's B-I-Z, bizofengineering.com. All right, now it's time to dive into our civil engineering conversation of the week with Karen Morgan. Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast. All right, now I'd like to welcome Karen Morgan from the AEC Proposal Institute onto the podcast. Karen, welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm excited. I'm down here in Texas. I'm visiting here with Karen. Her and I have spoken a little bit. She's got an interesting background. We have some similarities. So Karen, before we jump in and we talk about proposal writing, which is always a popular topic to our listeners, let's talk about your career path. It started as civil engineer. That's correct. And tell us about the evolution of it. Great question. So I started, like everybody else, took the technical path, um, ended up on the transportation engineering side of things. So I worked, uh, I did design work, got into project management, and you know, like most folks, as soon as you hit project management, you start getting asked to work on proposals on the side in your spare time, wherever you have the time, because you don't have that much time. And I found that I loved it. It kind of started seeming like a game. If you can put together the right pieces, you make magic happen in essence. And within that, I I had amazing managers on the technical side, but there really wasn't any training available for me on how to do this. And I just kind of kept that in my head. At some point, I ended up literally changing departments because I liked the proposal so well. So I actually moved over to the marketing department of Mm. the company I was working for, which allowed me to see all that the marketing professionals are putting into it to try to help the technical professionals get their point across. And ended up serving as a translator of sorts. Both sides are very necessary for the proposal process. A lot of times they just don't know how to speak the same language, even though they have the same goal in mind. So (laughs) after that, went to another firm that was struggling to win work and was able to be a part of a team that got them successful within about uh, 12 months. Ended up with about 14 million in prime and subcontract wins going from zero. So that was really fun. And I looked at the market and said, you know what? There's a lot of, uh, funny enough, I actually was going to focus on data. There's a lot of data in the industry that I think everybody can relate to this. It's sometimes antiquated. It comes out in PDFs. It's not something that's sortable. It's not something you can easily access. You don't get automatic notifications on a lot of things when it comes out. And so uh, that was the original intent of me starting my own business. I soon found out as soon as I got out that being a free agent with both an engineering technical background and the marketing side was something that appealed to a lot of AEC firms. And that's where we got to where we are today. So uh, now what I do is spend all my time either working with clients one-on-one, helping them write better, review better, and revise their proposals better in order to increase their chance for a win, Um, or I teach them my process so that they can do this in-house by themselves. That's great. Sounds like an exciting path there that you took. What we want to talk about now is the proposal writing process and really what engineers need to get up front in order to be successful in the proposal writing process. And we framed out some specific points to go through. 
And let's start with the first point, which is really related around to information. Mm -hmm, absolutely. The firms that have the greatest success, a lot of it has to do with managing their time better. And this first point is getting your information from the client that you need. There are certain things that if you don't have it up front, you're going to spin your wheels. You know, we know that as soon uh, as an RFP or RFQ hits the streets, uh, the majority of the time you've got a really short turnaround and you don't have much time to burn. So you got to get what you need from the client. What do you need? You've got to have a easy access to all your client requirements. So your RFP docs, your RFQ docs, your pre-proposal meetings, all those types of documents. They've just got to be in a place that's easy to access so that you're not looking for them on the night when you're right. sitting at home after uh, you put the kids to bed trying to find the stuff. You also need to get the client preferences. If you think about it, probably six months to a year or longer before this RFQ or RFP hits the streets, you've been gathering data. Well, one person, you know, uh, Jill gathered some data six months ago. Frank gathered data three months ago, and right. they both have it. Maybe it's in their emails. Maybe they emailed it out. Maybe it's in a notebook somewhere yeah. uh, on their shelf. Those are important pieces of documentation that everybody needs to have easy access to before the RFP or RFQ hits the streets to save you time. So again, at nine o'clock at night, you're not sweating it, right. trying to know what to do. So it's like data collection mode. It's data collection mode. We technical professionals, we get really, really busy and it's really hard to keep track of things if we don't have a plan ahead of time. So this is something that is a great idea to work out with your marketing professionals. Maybe you're just the team that you work with back at your office. Where can we store this information so that maybe Jill changes jobs? Right. Where would her information be able to go to upfront so that we know we don't lose it when Jill goes to a different firm. It's in a way basic, but critical. It's, you know, essentially like you would think like, of course I need the information, but I know what you're saying. Engineers are busy, head down in the details all the time on projects and proposals need to be taken just as seriously. You need to have all the data that you need to be able, like we're saying, to be successful in writing. So a critical first step for sure. So what's the next one, number two? The next part is if you're involved with a proposal, it's because you're tasked with something specifically the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. There's a reason you've been brought onto the team. Sometimes what happens is you may not exactly find out why it is you were brought on other than, hey, we need somebody to write this project approach. But why did they choose you specifically to write the project approach? Right. A lot of times it's because you're the PM or because you're the key task lead for the job. If the proposal team has something specific in mind, those are types of information that also need to be conveyed up front. And again, proposal teams are always busy. So this is just a question for you if you're the person writing. Can you explicitly tell me, team, what it is that you need from me to put into this text? Right. So again, you don't have to rewrite it. You don't have to spend two nights at nine o'clock. Right. Yeah. So being clear on what is expected of you, basically. Correct. And why you're involved on the team, why they pulled you into this proposal team. Maybe it was a specific project you worked on in the past mm -hmm. that they think is similar and they think you'll be able to share some of that. It's something for you to find out. And again, also an important one because, as Karen said, we are busy and you don't want to do anything extra. You don't want to duplicate anything. Mm -hmm. And if you are going to spend time on something, you want to maximize your time. Right. And if you're clear on what the goal is and what the expectations are for you, you can get in, produce it, and get out mm -hmm. and get back onto your, your engineering project. 
So these first two obviously are very focused around information and expectations, getting the data, understanding why you're in on it specifically to set yourself up. Correct. All right. So what's number three now? So the third one is one that oftentimes it's tough for technical professionals. The third one is being able to conform to your team's proposal schedule. So what happens a lot of times, these things go really, really fast, and um, everybody's got a lot of things that they have to do to stay billable, to keep their teams running, and then they've got this proposal on top of it. Being able to keep the proposal schedule is something that lets everybody uh, know, as long as you can get the information to the team on time, then the team has a chance to review it and revise it. If there's a deadline within the proposal schedule that you're unable to meet, I highly recommend just being upfront with the team and saying, this is something I can't meet. Is there somebody else that can take this task? Or is it okay if I submit this a day later? What seems to happen a lot of times, and you've probably seen this during your time in the technical side, deadlines on the proposal side get missed simply because, it, again, it, it feels secondary when you're trying to keep up with your current clients and right. keep your current clients happy and your um, projects and everything exactly else. keep your projects on task and again everybody knows that the whole goal of this is to keep the pipeline full later on if there's too much on your plate i'm a really huge proponent of if you can't meet schedules it's a good opportunity to re-raise the issue of maybe turning this into a no-go because if schedules can't be met typically right. what happens is you lose the opportunity to hone in and showcase what I call the zine, which is the special things that are gonna go into your proposal that catch the eye of your prospective client. Mm. And if you run out of time to work on those, then you just wasted a lot of time, which is what nobody wants that, so. Yeah, no, and it sounds to me like these first three steps are really about taking the proposal seriously. In other words, we have projects, which is our primary thing that we work on as engineers. And sometimes other things that creep in, like marketing items, like proposal writing, can look, be looked down upon because like, listen, I got my projects to work on. I don't need to worry about proposals, even though they're going to bring you more projects, mm -hmm. right? And so doing some of this work, like making sure you have the information, making sure you look at the proposal schedule, you're fitting it into your schedule, just like everything else has to go on your schedule are all important things to set you up for success. You have to look at the proposal as an important part of your job, just like the projects, mm -hmm. right? And give it that time, basically. Mm -hmm. And not just say, ads ah, due on that date, I'll get to it. I'll get... No, you have to factor it in. So I like the fact that these first few steps are basically saying, take it seriously, get the information you need so that you can deliver this proposal on time. Right, and it's also, just to add to what you're saying, it's the concept of knowing a process at the beginning, so you're not trying to recreate the wheel every time. So when you accept a task, it is, hey, can you send me the client documentation? Can you send me everything we've got on the client? Can you send me the proposed schedule so I can review it so that it's all there? And that way you know to ask those questions every single time somebody comes to you with a proposal request. Even if you have to sometimes say no because you see the schedule and it's not doable for you, right. at least you become known as the person who, when you say you're gonna write and review and revise a proposal, you just do a bang up job because you're committed to it. Again, it's about having a good process, which is, you know, I've interviewed a lot of people and that 
tends to come up in a lot of areas, regardless of whether we're talking about proposal writing or quality control on your projects or good client communication is having some kind of system, having some kind of process, building some kind of good habits. Because mm -hmm. if you're winging anything in today's world, you're in trouble because there's too many things going on, you're gonna forget something. Mm -hmm. You have to have a way to make sure you deliver things. I mean, we even do this at EMI in terms of our training programs. We have in our to-do list, we have templates for each kind of a training. If we're doing this kind of training, copy the template. It's got all of our steps for that training in there. We follow the steps because we want to deliver good quality work every time. And so think of the proposal writing process as a project, essentially, that Absolutely. you have to deliver on all the different components. Absolutely. All right, what's the next component here, number four? So this is a tough one. One of the things that I do as a consultant to help firms one-on-one -on -one with a specific proposal is that I'm essentially getting brought onto the team to be a deep worker. And deep work, that is a book written by a gentleman named Cal Newport. Fantastic book, by the way, highly recommended. The concept is that you have to be able to carve out time, pull yourself away, get away from all the noise mm -hmm. and sit and do the work. And the fourth tip really is that you commit to setting aside one to three deep work hours at a minimum, which I am assuming a lot of people just immediately kind of scoff because that's <laughs> really hard. That's a huge thing to commit to. But um, what I found when I do this for our clients is that if I can shut off my cell phone, like literally set it on the other side of the room, stick it in my bag, turn off the notifications, shut, you know, shut off all the notifications right. on my computer and just pull everything out. I get three times as much done at a minimum in one hour if I can do that with no interruptions. And so it's actually very refreshing and rewarding as well. So what you're doing is you're just being respectful of your future time by saying, I'm gonna to commit to do this. I recognize I can't help anybody else. I can't take client phone calls. I can't do anything. Minimum one hour. Try it, see how it works. I can uh, almost bet that you're gonna be very satisfied with the results. Yeah, and Deep Work is a wonderful book. I think I've recommended it before in the podcast. And I think engineers do need deep work and projects and proposals because we have to focus on things that are very important and we need that laser focus. And yeah, it's true. Start simple. Start with a half an hour, an hour build up as you can. But I agree with you. It can dramatically increase your productivity in terms of what you're getting out of the time that you're putting in mm -hmm. if you just take the time to do that. And that's why I even tell engineers when, I'm, when I used to review project plans and stuff, I would go in the conference room, shut the door and focus just because I needed that deep work, so mm -hmm. to speak, time sure. to do that. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and there's a concept too of batching. I don't yeah, you're familiar with batching, batching tasks, right? Batching tasks. And so this is one of those things where if you can start even if it's just starting with the proposal writing where you're batching that. This is my time chunk. I've got two proposals going on. So this week from 1 to 2.30, I don't have any meetings any day. I'm going to, this is my time to batch. Right. Um, if you start once, you'll start seeing that it'll, you'll find a way to progressively add that into other areas, which allows you more deep work, easier thought process. Again, the concept with deep work is every time you change into another topic or something distracts you, it's a significant percentage of time lost. Yeah. I think it takes like 23 minutes or something. To get your brain back to into it. To get your brain back into the game. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And the thing about it too is that your schedule is busy in terms of, uh, or fluid in that, you know, you got projects, 
calls coming in and fires going up on your projects. I get that. So it doesn't have to be like every Wednesday you're going to do proposal writing, but at the beginning of your week, just look at your calendar and say, this week I'm going to do a Thursday morning proposal writing. Next week you look at it again. All right, this week I got to do a Friday morning. But again, at least you're developing a habit of dedicating a number of hours each week to that task and getting them on your calendar, just like you put other meetings on your calendars, put those things on your calendar. All right, and what's the fifth final step here in the process. All right. Our fifth and final step is to be committed to give the time to dig up specific details from your brain or anybody on your team to alleviate what I call the, the fluffy text in a proposal. Right. So here's a, a great example. I went to a seminar recently where the person giving it, there were mainly marketing professionals in the room. And the person that gave this training, his name is Matt Handel, by the way, great speaker. He said, you know what? We're going to pretend for um, the next hour that you are part of a selection team. So I'm going to set on your table the RFP and five legally obtained responses to that RFP. And we're going to let you guys decide. You have to pick one firm as a winner and you have to give one reason as to why. Ready, go. So one hour, there were four people at our table. And as we started going through these, each of these individual responses, some were from small firms I'd never heard of, a couple were from bigger firms I had. There was one that we all agreed, we looked at it, and it didn't take more than about 10 minutes of flipping through it that we could not find a single unique thing about this firm. <laughs> it said, we have experience in blah, blah, blah. We've done this exact same work. We've worked for you, Client X. But what's funny is that's what every single other company wrote in the proposal. So that first off, that was uh, very fascinating. So you have this one on one extreme where it was probably, my guess was that the technical folks were slammed at that company and the marketing professionals, it looked like a technical professional had not touched it at all. Okay. Again, probably just due to huge time constraints and they really felt like they needed to go in on this. Our entire team discarded it within 10 minutes. Wow. It was gone. As we kept going through the other pursuits, what we kept finding, and the one that we again selected as, as a table, it had bits and pieces of that team that reflected back to the client's success. So it called out things that were unique about this company, things that were innovative, what, who they brought onto their team as an innovative partner to give a new opportunity to client X. They had quotes from other clients mm -hmm. showing similar successes and how happy this client was. And again, just went into more detail of uh, what Robert Cialdini names as social proof. Right. And again, by the time we got to the end, it was only between two. So we discarded one with that within about 10 minutes. The next two we discarded in about 15 minutes. So there's 25 minutes, two thirds of the proposals gone. And we had two that we just kind of looked at and we're like, this one speaks a lot more to me and I see that they're gonna be successful. It's those things, it's the zing, it's the things that say, we've done this before really well. And look, we're gonna give you something unique. So when you finish this project successfully, you, client, are going to be able to be proud and talk loudly about the unique concept you brought to your city or you brought to your municipality, county, whoever. Right. Those are the things that you've got to find the time to dig up.
the special the things that make you stand out exactly the kicker though is that it requires the technical person at least people that i've been out for about 20 years now so with 20 years i have to think really hard i gotta go back to projects i was never taught during a project to say what caused us to have success was right. it our qaqc process was it our ability to double time staff at this point right you know you think you're going to remember those details but you don't right so you need to recall what makes you unique so that you can talk about it exactly what makes you special so you can talk about it exactly and how impact the client exactly that's yeah. great i mean i love it i mean listen i'm an engineer like you, I like processes, and this is a good five-step process to follow. And just to recap, we're talking about what engineers kind of need to do to increase their chances of being successful in the proposal writing process. The first thing was to um, make sure that you have all the information that you need for this proposal about and about the client upfront available to you. If you need the RFP, if you need documents, have it there. Um, the second step was to make sure that you're aware of what your specific role is in this proposal writing process. Why do they have you on the team? What do they specifically need from you? The third step was to ensure that you've looked at the proposal schedule and that you can meet the demands of that schedule. Because if you can't, you need to make someone aware of that and may not be able to be involved in it or might have to no-go the proposal. The fourth step is to make sure that you have time set aside to do this quote-unquote deep work, which is a reference from Cal Newport's book. Maybe one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever you can do, but start off and build up to it, but no distractions, focused work time that you'll need for the proposal. And the fifth one is make sure you have the details that you need to be able to get rid of this fluffy text and replace it with text that is really shows why you're unique and why your company's specific and so that when you're doing that deep work you can focus it on prettying up the proposal to make it really powerful did i get those you got it absolutely right. what we're going to do now is we're going to take a short break we're going to come back in a minute and we're going to put karen on the civil engineering hot seat and just pepper her with a few last questions about her career development you up for that absolutely civil engineering podcast civil engineering podcast all right, now it's time for our Civil Engineering Hot Seat segment, which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. Are you ready to advance in your career but aren't sure how to move forward? The first step is getting your engineering license. I understand studying for your FEP or SE exam can be daunting. So why not partner with PPI, a company who has helped over 4 million engineers pass their licensure exam and become leaders in their fields. PPI offers licensure exam prep courses for the FEPE and SE exams, so no matter where you are on your path to career advancement, you can count on PPI support. Right now, PPI is enrolling students for their FEPE and SE prep courses with a $500 early bird discount. PPI prep courses provide you with NCEES approved exam materials, access to instructors during class time and office hours, exam day tips, and a passing guarantee. Enroll before May 23rd to take advantage of the $500 early bird discount. Don't miss out on taking the first step towards making 2019 a great year for you professionally. These are the best prep courses offered at the lowest price of the year. You can also save 15% when you use code EMI15 at checkout. The 15% promo code is applicable on print books and digital subscriptions. Please note that the code is not valid on courses or bundles of products as these already have a 15 to 30% discount built in. Visit ppi2pass.com forward slash prep course 
to find your exam. That's PPI, the number two, P-A-S-S dot com slash P-R-E-P-C-O-U-R-S-E. Be ambitious. Go prepared. Get licensed. All right, Karen, you ready for the hot seat? Absolutely, let's do it. All right. So first question, are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a specific morning ritual or lunchtime routine, something that you do consistently, whether it's daily or periodically, to contribute to your success as a professional? That's a great question. I think the main thing I do is every morning within AEC Proposal Institute, one of the things that we use to manage all of our data is a program called ClickUp. It's a task management okay. program. You may have heard of Asana or Trello. We use Asana, yep. Yeah, so it's it's similar. And you know, the main thing I do is the night before, I check to see what it is that's coming up the next day, and then every morning, I just jump in and go to town on what's there. So it's something to set my expectations. I look to see what's on my assistant's calendar, mm-hmm. um, the other people that work with me, so that we're all on the same page. So that's probably my biggest thing that I feel sets us up for success. That's awesome. I mean, now that we've done over 100 of these episodes, I'm starting to see some patterns. And, you know, having a good either to-do list or system like that, that people prepare like kind of the day before for the next day, it has been a common answer, which tells me that it's important. All right, what is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly or just one book that you have found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development? So this one is going to be a little bit off the beaten path, but again, since I love proposal writing, this is one that stuck out to me. Stephen King wrote a book called On Writing, and Mm. it's his memoirs. It's a really fun book to read. I don't read any of his books. It's not my genre of uh, reading material, but the book that he has written about how he writes, what struggles he has, what, how he overcomes those. He does talk about deep work. He didn't call it that, but he has found a way to make sure that process of setting, getting everything cleared out of his space um, works. And he has a process of just writing. And he talks about, again, I think a lot of engineers, we weren't really taught much with words and writing. And... Stephen King, one of the most celebrated writers in our time, he says, you're going to have a horrible first draft. Like, just get it over with. And there's no shame in that. In fact, you've got to get a bad first draft out so that you can keep going. So that's always encouraging to me. Just, you know, it's the blank sheet of paper. Ah, what do you do with it? And if Stephen King says it's okay to make a mess on it, then that makes me feel good. All right. Next question. You've had some managers in your career as an engineer, probably several, and not specifically asking to name people, but if you thought some of your favorite managers or your favorite manager that you had, what was it that made that person your favorite manager? What characteristic or trait or thing that they did? I think there's three things that stick out to me when I think about my favorite managers, and I've been really blessed to have it. Most of my managers have been absolutely fantastic. The first one is that they always had an open door policy. There was never any hesitation. You know, if obviously if they're in meetings, that's one thing, but right. I knew if their door was open, they were available and you could sit down and hammer something out. The second thing was that they were fantastic technical mentors. They really could help me work on geopack issues when I was struggling with how do I deal with these levels back in my day? So just really fantastic to pop in and get help with that. And then the last thing is that they just consistently removed roadblocks for me. 
as quickly as possible. Mm. So their goal was to try to help me stay moving as much as possible. Right, I love that. And they did it really well. I had a manager like that too. Just, just keep the projects moving, right? Keep everyone moving. And the thing that's good, and you put it a good way, is to remove like roadblocks because a lot of times what happens with managers is that they're focused on their own stuff. And if they're too focused on their own stuff and other everyone else is stopped or stuck, mm -hmm. it's a major, major problem. So I love that. And I love that you remember that, which again, tells me that that's really important. All right, last question for you. You get into an elevator with a civil engineer and you have 30 seconds with him or her and you need to, or you want to give them very pointed career advice based on all your experience to date that you think would be very valuable for them. In 30 seconds, what would you tell them? This one's pretty easy for me. Keep track of your project and personal experience within a project. Because these are the things I mentioned on step number five. Most of the time, technical professionals have a heck of a time trying to remember what they did. So if you had a really great success on a milestone on a project, document it. If you finished something five days early and blew the socks off your client out of, they were just ecstatic because of that, right. write that down. If you had a failure that turned into a beautiful lesson learned, you figured out how to solve it and still please your client, write it down because you will not remember in six weeks, let alone six months or six years as you progress in your career, right. what these things are. That's great. Put it somewhere electronically so you have it even when you change companies because right. it's your information. It's important data right? It is. for you to have and be able to fall back on. Once again, we're talking with Karen Morgan of the AEC Proposal Institute. And before we let you go, Karen, tell us a little bit about the Institute or some of the things you're doing uh, before we let you go. So the AEC Proposal Institute is specifically meant to help train to technical professionals in the AEC industry how to be better proposal writers, reviewers, and revisers. The goal of our Current class that we're offering, which is called the Proposal Bootcamp 101, is literally to teach you the process. So we went through about five of these steps today, but I document it much further with a lot of handouts, a lot of information, a lot of examples of literally how would you write a response to this project approach header right. or this resume header, and then how you review it and how you revise it. So it's a very hands-on, heavy example class to give you process that you haven't had before. So it's really fun for me to see light bulbs go on with technical folks. Right. They knew how to do this stuff, but now they have a process so they can do it faster. That's great. Faster. And this is a remote class, right? It is. So it's available. You can go to our website and it's uh, you can contact us there, but it is all live webinar. And right. so you can be anywhere and still get to work with us. All right, Karen Morgan of the AEC Proposal Institute, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the Civil Engineering Podcast. Anthony, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed episode 118 of the Civil Engineering Podcast. We've got a lot of exciting things going on right now. I mentioned earlier the Kickstarter campaign, which is almost finished. We have a goal of 100 backers and we're almost there. And we've already reached our funding goal. You can get a copy of the new book coming out soon, The Business of Engineering, that will change the game for you in your career. I don't care if you're a student or an experienced professional. Matt gives some frameworks in this book that are just dynamite. But also you can bundle the book and get any of our courses that we have available at a really good discounted price. And again, these are things that can really change your career. So check it out at bizofengineering.com. And we've got just so many exciting things going on. We've got a some new workshops coming out, and we also have a new podcast. That's right, a new podcast that we're going to tell you about 
in the next few weeks, and I can't wait to get this one going. So you can keep up with everything at the engineeringmanagementinstitute.org or really just connect with us on social media by going to our website and in the sidebar, you can connect with us. And the show notes for this specific episode can be found at civilengineeringpodcast.com. Look for episode number 118 there. You'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. And I'm going to continue to go on the road and interview different guests. In fact, we've got a real special guest coming up too in a couple episodes. He is the executive director of one of the authorities that manages some of the largest road network in the country. I mean, you're going to hear from him as well. So keep sending me the messages about the podcast. Ask me for new guests. Ask me for new questions. We want to make this podcast just useful for you and practical to you. So until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors. Thank you for listening to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Be sure to visit civilengineeringpodcast.com where you can listen to past episodes and also submit your project to be featured on the show. We also invite you to visit our main website at engineeringcareercoach.com and download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also help to develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.